0: Oh, I'm reading another, my love. I, um, that last chapter, I didn't think I read very well. I'm slightly sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm very sorry. I, I'm, I'm middle sorry. <laughs> I don't really have levels of sorry. I didn't, I don't know why I said I said I'm slightly sorry. Um, But I didn't read it very well. I didn't think, but this is only a short one. And then we're on five years left. I think I'm halfway through the book now. How many pages is it again? It is. three three nine hey Google three three nine divided by two the answer is 169.5. <laughs> okay I'm not halfway through the book but I will be soon I'm on oh, all the next following chapters are so short what a win Um, I'm yeah I'm I'm doing I'm do- I think I'm doing quite well with the readings Except last chapter, which I think I didn't read very well. Um, But yeah. Today, at the moment, is Roxy's chapter. Six years to go. Roxy. Mother Eve had heard a voice saying, one day there'll be a place for the women to live freely. And now she's getting hundreds of thousands of hits from that new country where... Women had, until recently, been chained in basements on dirty mattresses. They're setting up new churches in her name, without her having had to send a single missionary or envoy. Her name means something in Besapara, and emails from her means even more. And Roxy's dad knows people on the Moldovan border. He has been doing business with them for years. Not in flesh, that's dirty trade, but... Cars, cigarettes, booze, guns, and even a little bit of art. Leaky borders, a leaky border, with all of the disruption, re- le- uh, with all this disruption recently, it's got a bit leakier. Roxy says to her dad, "Send me to this new country, Bessapara. Send me there, and I can get something going. I've got an idea." Listen, says Shanti, "You want to try something new? There are eight of them." Four women, four men, all mid twenties, in the basement flat in Primrose Hill. Bankers. One of the men already has his hand up one of, up one of the women's skirts, which Shanti could fucking do without. She knows her audience, though. Something new is their rallying cry, their meeting call, their six a.m. their six a.m. wake-up call with newspaper and organic pomegranate juice, because orange juice is so nineteen eighties high glycemic load. They love something new more than they love collateralized debt obligations. Free sample, says one of the men, counting out the pills they've already bought, checking he hasn't been cheated. Cunt. Uh-uh, says Shenty. Not for you. This is strictly for the ladies. Oh, sorry, I said that so weirdly. There's a crowd in, whistling and a cheer at that. She shows them a little dime bag of power. Powder. It's white with a purplish sheen to it, like snow, like frost, like the tops of mountains in some fancy fucking ski resort where these guys go on the weekends to drop £25 on a mug of hot chocolate and bang each other on endangered fur rugs in front of fires carefully constructed at 5am by underpaid chalet workers. Glitter, she says. She licks the top of her index finger. Dips it into the bag and picks up a few shining crystals, opens her mouth, and lifts her tongue onto them. On lifts her tongue to show them what she's doing. Rubs the power into one of the thick blue blue veins at the base of her tongue, and she offers the bag to the ladies. The ladies dip in eagerly, scooping up great fingerfuls of whatever it is that Shanti's offering and rubbing it round their mouths. Shanty waits for them to feel it. Oh, wow, says a analyst with a blunt bob. Lucy? Charlotte? They all have roughly the same name. Oh, wow. Oh, God. I think I'm going to... And she starts to crackle at the end of her fingertips. It's not enough to get hurting anyone, but she's lost control of it. Usually when you're drunk or stoned or high on most things, the power is damped down. A woman might get off a a drunk woman might get off a jolt or two, but nothing you can't dodge if you weren't drunk too. This is different. this is calibrated. This is designed to enhance the experience. There's some coat cutting with it too that's already known to make the power more pronounced, and a couple of different kinds of uppers, along with the thing that gives it the purple glint which shanty's only ever seen post cut Something coming out of Moldova, she's heard, or Romania, or, or Bessarabia, or Ukraine. One of those. Shenty's got a bloke she deals with in a local lock-up garage out towards the coast in Essex when this stuff started coming in. Oh, and when this stuff car started coming in, she knew she could move it. The women start laughing. They're loose-limbed and excited, leaning back, making high, low-powered arcs from one hand to another, or up to the ceiling. It'd feel nice to have them do one of those arcs on you. Shanti's got her girlfriend to take some and do it to her. Not painful, but fizzing. Tingling at the nerve ends, like taking a shower in San Pellegrino, which these fuckers probably do anyway. One of the men pays her in cash for four more bags. She charges them double. Eight crisp fifties. Don't get those from a hole in the wall, because they're dickheads. No one offers to walk her down to her car. When she lets herself out, two of them already fucking giggling, letting off starbursts with every thrust and jerk. Steve's nervous because there's been a change in the security guard's rotor, and it could be nothing, right? It could be some fuckers had a baby, or some other fuckers got the shits. Then it all looks different from the outside when it's entirely okay and you'll be able to just walk in like normal and get your fucking hourglasses just like fucking normal. The problem is, there's been a story in the paper. Not a big story, not page one, but page five in the Mirror and the Daily Express and the Daily fucking Mail about this new death drug that's killing young men with their whole lives ahead of them. It's in the paper, but there's no fucking law against it yet, not unless it's cut with something else. Which, this stuff is in the fucking hourglasses. So fuck it. What's he going to do? Stand out here like a lemon waiting to see if PC Plod is waiting by the docks to see if those guard guards he hasn't ever had a chat or drink with? See if one of those is a copper. He pulls his cap down low over his eyes and he drives the van up to the gate. Yeah, I've got boxes to pick up from container. He stops to look up the number, even though he knows it like it's tattooed inside his fucking eyeballs. AG 21 FE eight five nine D There's a crackle on the intercom. Bloody hell, says Steve, trying to sound conversational. These bloody numbers get longer every week, i tell you. There's a long pause. It was as if Chris or Marky or that Bell and Jeff in the gatehouse, they'd know and let him in. Can you come up to the window, driver? says a woman's voice through the intercom. We need to see your ID and pickup forms. Fuck. So he drives round to the gatehouse. What else is he going to do? He's come through loads of times. Most of those pickups are legitimate. He does a bit of import export, kids' toys for market stall holders. He has a little business, turns a handy profit, cash transactions a lot of it, and not all on the books. He sets up nights making up names of storeholders he's sold to. Bernie Monk set him up with a stool down Peckham Market. He's down there on a Saturday trying to make things look legit. Because you don't want to get stupid. Nice toys a lot of them. Wooden from Eastern Europe. And the hourglasses. Because they've never called him round the gatehouse when he's been shifting little wood robots held together with elastics or them carved up ducks on a string. They've got to fucking call him in for this. There's a woman there. There's a woman there he's never seen before. Big glasses on her face. Halfway up. I've also just put two and two together. There, there's drugs in the hourglasses instead of sand. This took me a second. There's a woman there he's never seen before. Big glasses on her face. Halfway up her forehead and right past the end of her nose. Owl glasses. Steve wishes he had seen a bit of something... Steve wishes he'd had a bit of something himself, just a little bit before he came out. Can't carry any in the van, it'd be stupid. They got sniffer dogs. That's the good thing about these hourglasses, egg timers. He didn't understand it when Bernie showed him. Bernie tipped the egg timer thing over, and the sand fell through, golden and soft. Bernie said, don't be a muppet. What do you think's in here? Sand? Inside the glass, and that glass inside another glass tube, double sealed. Wash them all down with rubbing alcohol before they go into the boxes and Bob's your uncle. Nothing for the sniffer dogs to get hold of. You'd have to smash through one of those egg timers before the dogs could get a tell with what it was. Paperwork, she says, and he hands it over. He makes a jokes about the fucking weather, but she doesn't even crack a smile. She looks through the manifest. A couple of times she gets him to read out a word or a number to her to make sure she's got it right. Behind he sees Jeff's face for a few moments against the security glass of the back door. Jeff makes a, sorry mate, face and shakes his head at the back of the hard-ass woman. Fuck. Can you come with me, please? She motions Steve towards a private woman of private office off to the side. What's the problem? Steve jokes to the world at large, although there's no one here. Can't get enough of me. Still doesn't smile. Fuck. There's something in the paperwork's made her suspicious. He's done it all himself. That paperwork. He knows it's right. She's heard something. She's been sent in by the Narks. She knows something. She motions him to sit opposite her at the small table. She sits too. What's this all about, love? He says. Only I'm due in Bermondsey in an hour and a half. She grabs his wrist and puts her thumb to the place between the small bones, just where the hand draws the arms, and suddenly it's on fire. Flames inside his bones, the veins shriveling, curling up, blackening. Fuck, she's going to pull his hand off. Don't say anything, she says, and he won't. He couldn't, not if he tried. Roxy Monk's taken over this business now. You know who she is. You know who her dad is. Don't say anything, just nod. Steve nods. He knows. You've been skimming, Steve. He, he tries to shake his hand to Gable. No, you've got it wrong. It will not me. But she presses the pain into his wrist, so, so he thinks she's going to crack it open. Every month, she says, just one or two of them F-timers don't get listed on your books. You get me, Steve? He nods. And it stops. Right. Right now. Or you're out of the business. Understand. He nods. She lets him go. He cradles his wrist in his other hand. You can't even see on the skin that anything's happened to him. Good, she says, because we got something special this month. Don't try to move it till you hear from us, okay? Yeah, yeah, he says, yeah. He drives off with 800 egg timers, neatly packaged up in boxes in the back of his van. All the paperwork correct, every carton accounted for. He doesn't take a look till he's back at his lockup, up and he's taken the edge off the pane. Yeah, he can see it. There is something. All the sand in these hourglasses is tinged with purple. Roxy's counting money. She could get one of the girls to do it, but they've done it once, and she could call someone in to count, count it up in front of her, but she likes doing it herself, feeling the paper underneath her fingertips. Watching her decisions turn into math, turn into power. Bernie said to her more than once The day someone else knows where your money's gonna where your money's going better than you do, that's the day you've lost. It's like a magic trick, money. You can turn money into anything one, two, three, presto. Turn drugs into influence with Tatiana Moskalev, president of Baspara. Turn your ability to bring pain and fear into a factory where the authorities will turn a blind eye to whatever you're cooking up there that sends purple-tinged steam into the skies at midnight. Ricky and Bernie had some ideas for what Roxy should do when she got home, fencing maybe, or one of the fronts up in Manchester, but she had an idea that for Bernie that was bigger than anything he'd heard of in a long time. She's known for a while now what to ask for to make her last the longest, and how to mix her up. Roxy sat on a hillside for a few days, off her face, trying to make out different combinations her dad's people had concocted for her approval. When they found it, they knew it. A purple crystal, as big as rock salt, fiddled about with by chemists and derived originally from the bark of the Dhoni tree. Which is native to Brazil, but which grows pretty well here too, a snore of the full thing, pure glitter, and Roxy could send a blast halfway across the valley. That's not what they ship too, that's not what they ship too dangerous, too valuable. They save the good stuff for private use and maybe for the right bidder. What well, their shipping's already cut, but they've done well. Roxy hasn't mentioned to Mother Eve. Roxy hasn't mentioned Mother Eve to her family, but it's because of the new churches that they've got 70 loyal women working on their production line already. Women who think they're doing the work of the Almighty, bringing power to her children. She tells Bernie the week's totals herself, every week. She does it in front of Ricky and Daryl if they're there. She doesn't care, she knows what she's doing. The Monk family are the sole suppliers of glitter right now. They're printing money. A money can turn into anything. On email, a private account spouts around a Doverne's servers. Roxy tells Mother Eve the weekly totals too. Not bad, says Eve. And you're keeping some back for me? For you and yours, says Roxy, just like we agreed. You set us up here, you're making my fortune. You look after us and we'll look after you. She grins as she types it. She's thinking to herself, take the whole thing belongs to you and then we have some pictures here mass grave of male skeletons found in a recent excavation of post-london village of the post-london village conglomeration the hands were removed pre-mortem the marked skulls are typical of the period the skulls were incised post-mortem approximately 2,000 years old and now we're on to five years to go